0: Sports Radio 610 presents Pain and Pendergast.
1: So as we, uh, as we sit here, uh, Mike McCarthy, uh, the headline on TV right now, Mike McCarthy returning to Cowboys for a fifth season. Um, the uh, Eagles are going to be, it looks like, as of right now, retaining Nick Sirianni. So you've got these perennial playoff teams that are just completely distraught with their head coaching situations, at least the fan bases are. No hope. No hope for those teams. Meanwhile, the Texans have a head coach who in the last 24 hours has one of the best viral videos floating around with him in there. Um, here is D'Amico Ryans, courtesy of NFL Films, instructing Christian Harris exactly what to do if, it's, if they get a certain look with Joe Flacco under center. Here's what you're going to do, Christian Harris, and you're going to intercept the football. You just hang right there and just play the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Play the quarterback as soon as he snaps. You step in front of it go pick. That's it i telling you, i telling you, i telling you. Fourth and two from the Browns, 33.
2: It's picked off. Here we go to the left, 25. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Christian Harris. Second pick, six of the game. Zone defense. So here's Harris. His eyes are on the quarterback. And at the last minute, he breaks underneath in front of the intended target, Harrison Bryant. Had run over. I know. I'm sorry, baby. Uh, I, don't, you I don't, know it's exciting I out here. Yeah, I, that, I got. don't yeah, no, please no. <laughs> Yeah, that last part. Sorry.
1: that last part's the referee, the linesman. Sorry about that. Um, the uh, D'Amico, in his in his exhilaration, uh, almost ran over the linesman. Yeah, that's my way of saying go find the video and watch it. It's really really good.
0: It's uh it's really good and it's uh I, I got a kind of a good illustration of how D'Amico's worked with the linebackers this year and. Christian Harris is his ability to uh, kind of capitalize on the information Amico has given him because it was it, the the part that they would have cut out from that was exactly which which coverage they were playing um, versus which formation uh, like Flacco. There's a reason Flacco has thrown as many interceptions as he has in his career. There's some predictable elements to him. And like what smart defensive coordinators and smart defensive players do is at times they'll dictate terms to the quarterback. They bait him into they bait him into what they want. Linebackers can do it with alignment a lot because a quarterback will kinda make a pre snap judgment. He'll look, he'll take a quick scan, see where the linebacker is, and just assume he's got a window there. Like if if I had one criticism of Christian Harris on that play, it would be that, like, man it was so obvious that he knew what was coming. Yeah, make it look like just, you're doing something. He just stood there. Yeah. He stood there absolutely still while everybody else was flying around, getting to their spot. It's spots. jarring. Yeah. So, um, so there's like credit both to Mika Ryans and Christian Harris there, but also that, you know, you gotta, you gotta be careful as a coach in exactly how much information you give your players. And, you know, uh, like as simple and straightforward as that seemed right there, He's also telling Christian Harris, you know, in this situation, this down and distance, um, this personnel grouping, all of those things. If you start to give a young guy that doesn't have everything else nailed down that information, it's going to confuse him and it's going to screw him up. And that's what we've seen with the Texans defense over the course of the season, especially these last few weeks. I think D'Amico has felt a little bit more comfortable disguising things in the secondary, Rotating safeties, doing a lot of stuff that's a little bit higher level and can confuse a can confuse a quarterback that he couldn't he couldn't get away with doing it earlier in the year because guys would just make mental errors. There was this week after week, remember, where it was just these blown coverages. It was, it was, the play action was just destroying them, um, and like that part, it's it's gotten to be a smarter football team in these last few weeks.
1: Yeah, yep, yeah, for sure. Um, text message. Curious your thoughts on this, Seth. With Collins, with Nico Collins probably being the main priority for Baltimore, who do you think or expect to really step up and make a difference and help elevate the offense? So, who who of the non-Nico people? I don't. I think the. I think the.
0: I'm not giving you a non-answer here. I think the important thing is that you don't know. Uh like if I could answer that question, then I'm damn sure Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator for the Ravens, could answer that question. I think that one really promising thing from last week was that, you know, John Mechie getting open was he was schemed open. Yeah. Um and and like they took advantage of some of the tendencies of the Ravens uh, cornerbacks and defensive backs to play aggressively more towards Nico and and others, and they and they freed John Mechie. So I would say Either John Mechie again, Xavier Hutchinson. And I don't say, like, breakout is a a misnomer. I think just those guys are going to get opportunities. Yeah,
1: here's I'll I'll give you an answer. I'll give you a specific name. Who do you think or expect to really step up and make a difference and help elevate the offense? The answer is Bobby Slowick. Yeah, that's the answer, yeah. Bobby Slowick. Seeing certain things out there that you can scheme up, get John Mechie in the you know in that in that gap right there in the defense, get Robert Woods open for a crosser. Yeah, find it, You could do, run the play, the Dalton Schultz play. Man, they showed that on the NFL films, the Dalton Schultz touchdown, and yeah. they showed D'Amico mic'd up on that. And he's yeah. like, man, great call, Bobby. Great call, and Bobby. The, and this is the other thing you have
0: to think of. All right. So Bobby Sloak yesterday, I'll say C.J. Stroud, because Bobby Sloak yesterday talked about how, um, you know how smart C.J. has gotten, how they can communicate, you know, at a different level, and that he's not really a rookie anymore. He's not operating a rookie. I would say that Brock Purdy and Tua Tungavaiola are not as advanced with their football intelligence yet in their offenses as C.J. Stroud is. And I think that when a really smart defensive coordinator faces a guy, faces a scheme with which he's somewhat familiar and faces quarterbacks that still are, still are growing. Um, and I mean, CJ's still growing, but I do think CJ's gonna be a, a, a little bit more capable and able to actually work through progressions. Like, Old school going through your progressions is making a comeback. For a while, things had turned into, like, well, you just... You know, you kind of see what you got pre-snap, and then you then you can eliminate the first and second read and know that you're going immediately to the third. It's getting to be a little bit more because... These defenses are doing such a good job of disguising and playing more zone and all that. It's getting to be back to where you gotta actually go through your progressions. And CJ's really good at it. Remember that audio we played yesterday of EJ Speed, the linebacker yes. from the from the Colts, yeah. talked about how degrading it was. Degrading. I when couldn't think d- of the worst. This guy gets to his degrading. third read. You know how degrading it is? Yeah. When, a, when a guy gets to his third read, CJ does it. It does it like as he's about to get hit. That's where I think the difference can be between the Dolphins and the 49ers, is that those guys are still playing with uh, with with younger quarterbacks, mentally, I think where that's I think, something else because those yeah. two guys have been in that oh, offense yeah. for two years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and they're very good. It's just that I mean, with Tua, yeah. Right, yeah. Separate topic. <laughs> watch probably. Tua play. Like <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like yeah, yeah, every, yeah. every time you watch, every time you actually watch a complete Tua game, you're like, what would this what with the? Right. Like,
1: I, I feel like fifth all right, pick in the draft.
0: If you can, you can just loft it up there to those two. Speed demons, yeah. sure, yeah.
1: Remember when people were tanking for Tua back in the day? Yeah, I know. But I' don't know people were talking about it as an MVP candidate, I, early dude, this season. dude, I know. I'm with you. And I, but then you watch the games, yeah. and you're like, oh my god, yeah.
0: Like slap that down into any other
1: offense with normal right. personnel or anything, right. and he's getting just he's going to get destroyed. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, national attention for the Texans. Colin Cowherd's come all the way around now on the Texans. Herd hierarchy. Where are the Texans in the herd hierarchy? Number seven. But I like Houston. They've won four of their last five. They do not turn the ball over. Fourteen giveaways all year. And C.J. Stroud, um, here's one of the amazing things. Is I don't know if I've ever seen a rookie quarterback throw the deep ball as well. On throws 15-plus yards down the field. (laughs) It's a passer rating of 124. That's crazy. In the AFC. So... Again, live dog, Houston seven. Okay, and good, good job by Cowherd not mentioning that Jared Goff is C.J. Stroud's comp. I guess yeah. the first cut we played of Cowherd where he hasn't mentioned that. I was
0: looking, uh, you know, he he actually he started citing Lance more often now because he was saying like he. Uh, he was saying forever, like Jared Goff is the comp. Jared Goff is the comp, like now it was he's like some, it like, off like on it was Lance. a commandment or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, I think that's that's the whole thing. Like, I think I think it's a valid. I do think it was a valid comparison. Like, if for like projecting everything, I totally think it was a valid comparison. It's that, like, coward. Because this is what I know, Lance wouldn't want. Lance doesn't want you to take that comp and be like, that's exactly the same guy. He'll he'll have. forever. Those draft analysts hate when that happens. Yeah, yeah. like people. Act like you make that comp. Like a lot of them hate making the comp because then people act like, well, Jared Goff didn't do this or Jared Goff didn't do that. Um, I like, and, and it's ironic that now, like, as Colin Coward is abandoning that, like, Jared Goff is actually doing pretty damn yeah, well. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He's, he's one of the ones still standing, just so, like CJ.
0: Brock Purdy, very good with the deep ball. CJ Stroud, very good with the deep ball. The yep. common, the common trait there again is, okay, Kyle Shanahan offense. The, the fact that they use play action so well, um, and that it, sometimes it's frustrating because it feels like you're running the ball even when it's not working but it does it sets up the play action and it's just one of the it's one of the weirdest rules in football but it's true it doesn't matter if you're running the ball effectively to set up the play action you just have to show that you're committed to running the foot. cuz cuz linebackers and safeties can't help it they're just they're going to if it looks like run they're going to come up and they're going to bite Coaches can tell them to ignore it, and sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Um, but it's just got to be a commitment to the run. And because the Texans have committed to the run, that it sets up the play action really well. But then also I think they've, they've also gotten better in the run game over the year too. That's the hard part where it just takes patience is that these guys need reps.
1: Shannon Sharp. Here was Shannon Sharp on his podcast what? he does with uh, – what's up?
0: I'm sorry. just Yeah, CJ's child this year was – in a lot of the different – Metrics on deep ball is basically second to Brock Purdy. Yeah, and and throws twenty plus yards. Yeah,
1: man, one twenty four passer rate. I don't care if it's schemed open or you're you know it's because of the quarterback. That's that's pretty damn good. When
0: I was looking at those stats yesterday, it's it's a good reminder. I always have to remind myself sometimes that like like. Fifty. If you were fifty percent in your deep balls, that would be like all time phenomenal. Yeah, right, like, right. If you're thirty, I think I think CJ's in the thirty somewhere, which is like one of the very highest completion percentages on deep balls. It's just that, uh, yeah. Like I, I always feel when somebody misses a deep ball, I get I get irrationally angry about the quarterback not having it. But it's just that's the way it goes.
1: Yeah, one twenty four passer rating with not a good completion percentage. I mean, but they're huge chunk plays, and he doesn't turn the ball over. Like yeah. he, his well, no, 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 no.
0: He has a good completion percentage. He, it's just. You,
1: you, I mean, I'm, I mean, as far as passer, like they, when you calculate passer rating, thirty something percent hurts your passer yeah. rating. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's you know. So, anyways, I'm probably getting too deep in the weeds on the numbers. Um, here's Shannon Sharp gushing about C.J. Stroud in the text. Oh, Joe, you
3: know what? What makes the Texans scary? What? They don't ever know they're not supposed to be here. <laughs> That's the problem. Somebody forgot to tell them. You got a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback. You're not supposed to be this good right now. And if they don't turn the ball over, in which they don't, I mean, C.J. Stroud doesn't turn the ball over. He protects the ball. Man, it's C.J. C.J.'s rookie of the year. Oh, yeah. They earned the right to be in the playoffs, and they earned a victory. Ain't no deserve. At this point in time, you earn it. You don't get it. Deserve, deserve what? You earn what you get. Houston fans, y'all don't have a problem. Absolutely. For the next (sighs) decade. Houston, you got a problem. You don't. Houston, so we don't you got have solution. a solution.
1: I know, but even just alluding to it. I don't know. I kinda Noah like it when, Eagle did that after Christian Harris's interception on the NBC broadcast. He said Houston
0: is the problem. He's
1: something like, yeah, I some it. allusion to. Uh, I don't mind it. I like it get, when they
0: say Houston is, Houston is a problem. I like that. You do?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: What's wrong with that? That's, that's, that's taking a negative in turn. That's a. That's a. Do we just got to get mole the whole, Cindy we just, stop connecting
1: right Houston there. with problems. Let's move on to think, something else. Do you think Cindy Crawford gets tired of hearing about her sexy mole? Probably. <laughs> she yeah she might actually uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she might she might. Um, Does she still have it? That'd I think be, so. Yeah, she's in those rooms to go commercials all the time.
0: She still looks really good. She looks
1: amazing. Yeah. She did you know her husband was a model? Sounds about right. That's how they met, like okay. a long time ago, I guess.
0: Yeah. I always thought he was a billionaire or something. Maybe he maybe is. He's now. a billionaire model. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. He's not, yeah. Yeah. I always thought male models were like uh, notoriously dumb, though. They're not. Or is that just because that's Zoolander? Um, all right, he, yeah, that's just yeah. I'm thinking
1: of Zoolander. Male, Why are you asking no, me about male, male models? Male
0: porn stars are notoriously dumb.
1: Um, that's probably true. because back in the day,
0: back before Viagra, yeah. especially, it was just kind of like you gotta, you gotta have. There's one zero trait you need: self consciousness. Yes. and to have that, yep. uh it helps to be one psychological dumb. trait yeah. and one physical yeah, trait. Yeah. That's all you
1: need. <laughs> um, here's one more national gushing about C.J. Stroud and the Texans. Chris Long. Chris Long comparing CJ to dot, dot, dot.
2: He was the first guy, and this is where I was like, okay, yeah, he's him, as they say. Yeah. He goes to Cincinnati, and the performance that he put on there was incredible, and I was like, the first guy since the guy on the other sideline to remind me of the guy on the other sideline in Joe Burrow, <laughs> right. CJ Stroud. And you know who Joe Burrow reminded me of when he came to the league it was Tom Brady. Hold on one second. Wait, wait. Yeah, that's a That's a statement that...
3: People won't understand. You're saying CJ Stroud, as a rookie, has shown some traits we've seen from
2: a guy like Tom. Some traits. You know, some people are going to say he's going to win six, seven championships. (laughs) I don't know in this day and age, but what I do know is he's got that third dimension kind of deal with the quarterback where it's not just what do you see, where to go with the ball. He's an artist, too. He's a leader. He's having guys over to dinner every night. He's got a a chef at the house. I wish I was his teammate. I mean, he's a leader, but (laughs) he's also got those innate pocket mobility traits. Where he's able to buy himself time, his his eyes are always downfield, and that's a play caller's best friend too because yeah. he can get you out of a lot of trouble. It's an offensive line, offensive line's best friend, and the playmakers love him too.
0: The one thing that I really like about <laughs> the way they call roughing the quarterback these days is that there have been there have been some moments just in the last couple of games since he came back from concussion where he made some really nice throws and basically got a, a tap on the chest, you know, because these guys are coming up the gut. And he hits it. He he throws, makes the throw falling away from contact. But that's it. He falls down to the turf. That's where like learning how to learning how to fall, doing the two a thing this off season for CJ. It pays extra dividends these days because there's nobody landing on top of you. You can as long as you fall properly, like including in that Jets game. Honestly, like I think I think that CJ will look at that play in the offseason or maybe already has I think and, and look at him be like okay I could have fallen differently I could have anticipated that hit because because Quinn Williams didn't land on me you know he was trying to come off of me like you can you can fi- you can figure out how to fall properly and like I, he'll be able to keep doing this for a long time you can stand in there and be much braver without having to get so physically destroyed as especially, you know, especially now that next year he'll have a little bit of name brand appeal Oh, of, so you're saying he'll
1: get like the LeBron calls in an NBA a game? Bit, yeah. yeah,
0: like star treatment because he's not big enough. He's not big enough to be a big dude that like uh, that that doesn't get the calls. He doesn't get like the Shaq treatment or the Cam Newton treatment or even like Andrew Luck really in, in some way because Andrew Luck was so big. I, like he took a lot of abuse that didn't always get called. Um, CJ's like he's not that robust, so I would I, I would advise him don't don't get any more yoked in the offseason. Say oh, like keep okay. you your exact same body type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like he's that. He's thicker, but he doesn't look like uh, he's not muscular. Muscular. You no, know? no, yeah. no. Uh-uh.
1: Um, all right, Payne and Pendergast with you on a Thursday. I, in my mind, there's three Cinderella teams still left in the playoffs: Texans, Packers, Buccaneers. Those are the three Cinderella teams. Are the Texans America's favorite Cinderella team of these three? We'll make the case next sports radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast hi good to be with you uh, we are two days away from the Ravens and the Texans here on sports radio 610. I Seth we looked at the percentages yesterday that the you know the computer simulated all the playoffs for the rest of the Postseason eight jillion times I said uh,
0: Texans seventy eight percent chance. That, the they, Super Bowl. Did, they,
1: they did not. One one computer with a virus said that. My computer said that. Did okay. Well, my little Casio, to wit. my yeah. my calculator
0: watch. <laughs> yes, and then I spelled boob.
1: Boobless. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's next level. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how many digits your Casio yeah, goes man. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you do that upside down seven with the three and a couple of fives. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So. Um. But in all honesty, three point three percent. There were three teams that were under 10%. Three teams under all under 5% actually to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The Green Bay Packers, 4.6% I believe, Tampa Bay 4.2%, and then the Texans were um in last place, 3.3%. Such is the nature of being the, you know, the lowest seeded team left in the AFC. That's not a big surprise. Yeah. Of these three Cinderella teams, which do you think I and mean, we're we're kind of <clears throat> we're in it here, you know what I mean? Like we're all we're all Texans all the time. Uh, which do you think of these Cinderella teams, if there's like neutral football fans that are rooting for a Cinderella run by a team?
0: Oh, okay. Um, who, do, I think who, that who do you
1: think America is getting behind? Okay, well,
0: it depends on who you are. I think if you're a team in need of a quarterback, if you're a team in need of a quarterback, then you want to pull for the Bucks. I feel like there's people out there that want to believe in Baker Mayfield. I can't even remember who I saw it was this morning. Somebody, uh...
1: They did it with a journeyman, so we can do it with a journeyman. No, no,
0: that... No, no, because Baker Mayfield's a free agent. Oh, I see. Yeah, they might actually really sell themselves on Baker Mayfield. Okay, Um, I don't know. I would feel like, okay, maybe if you bring up Chris Godwin and Mike Evans alongside Baker Mayfield, then perhaps... I do, like, I admire... I admire his, his grittiness, his resourcefulness, all that stuff... It's just hard to ignore. Even this last game, it's funny because, uh, like, Godwin and Evans would have had the game much more out of hand earlier if they hadn't had big drops, and yet they were also the guys who were wide open, uh, in position sure. to make those drops. So it's just it's hard to judge exactly what caliber quarterback he is. I think I wonder. I think with Baker, the problem is, I think a lot of teams that would love to sign him as a bridge quarterback, but is Baker. Wired to be a bridge quarterback, you know? Yeah. I don't think he, I, it's not a bad thing either. I think most, there's a lot of super competitive quarterbacks that aren't necessarily bridges. So long story short, I think there's some teams in need of a quarterback that are rooting for Baker Mayfield. I think the entire state of Ohio is probably rooting for the Texans and those Ohio State fans. Oh, because
1: of CJ. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's
0: yeah. uh that, that was still, that, that's still very strong, I think. Um, and then I don't know, Green Bay just got a larger fan base. And Jordan Love is I, it's, I think CJ stormed onto the the scene very very quickly. Relatively, I know it doesn't feel quick to us, but where Jordan Love, um, a it was just a long time he had to sit and wait behind Aaron Rodgers, and then B his first his first bouts and go go at its were not all that impressive, you know. So I think it I think Jordan Love has kind of snuck up on people as a guy that's come this far as a quarterback. I would say so. The grand total of it would be that I think the, the Texans are the darlings of the league, the darling I, underdogs.
1: I, I do too, and here's yeah. why. Here's why. First of all, purely from a likability standpoint, I, it's, it's hard to find anybody who doesn't like C.J. Stroud, yeah. who doesn't like D'Amico Ryans. Any unlikable element of the Texans has been extracted from the building and ejected from the building within the last year, year and a half, um, or four years in, case of the, in the case of the head coach. Um, so I think there's that. I think two of you look at the other two teams. To me I look at okay, Tampa Bay, you basically bought a Super Bowl a few years ago when you signed Tom Brady. Oh yeah, good you didn't call. earn that. Like yeah. you, you didn't build to that. Like you went and signed Tom Brady and you got a cheat code to get a Super Bowl championship. And I know they won one back in the early two thousands as well. But as far as recency goes, you sign Tom Brady and get a world championship. Why should I them, be rooting for you now to get your fo- second one in four four years? You're calling
0: them the Tampa Marlins.
1: Yeah, a little bit. But
0: if the Marlins had actually figured it out a lot faster, right? Because this one is, I mean, uh, but I, yes, they were all those things. But now they're doing it with Baker Mayfield. They're they well, we'll see if they do it. They're trying nine and eight. It. They yeah. were trying to do it, with Baker. Mayfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: We'll see if they do it. But I, but I would be, I would not be rooting for Tampa Bay because they just won one three years ago with a guy who had won six before just, that. You know, though, Sean.
0: Okay. I'm not going to completely shoot down your argument, but as far as... I don't want to get off to uh, too much of a tangent. I'm like, anybody could have signed Tom Brady. There, I mean, like, there were there were a lot of teams that did not want to spend $20 million on Tom Brady. So, like, that part of it... Now, I mean, now he Tom would have Brady to also liked his weapons there. and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think there were a lot of teams that didn't make a play for Tom Brady, that didn't see it as such a slam dunk. Because he, he had not looked good that previous year at true. all.
1: That's true. That's true. And yet, I will still cling to my narrative that they signed Tom Brady, wanted. This is just in terms of them winning another – Tampa yeah, Bay winning yeah. a second Super Bowl in four years doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, um, Green Bay – okay, look, you're Green Bay. You have fans all over the country. Mm-hmm. Green Bay has never had to suffer at quarterback – since before Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. They had Brett Favre in 1992. They were set at quarterback for 15 years. He hands the baton to Aaron Rodgers. They're set at quarterback for another 15 years. Now they're handing it to Jordan Love, who looks like he could be a really good quarterback for them for a long, long time.
0: You know where I... Supposed to
1: uh, root for them?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know where I kind of uh, am siding with them a little bit? The old, uh, the old kunster. Uh, Gutekunst. The the GM the old the old goody got a lot of abuse for a long time. He won the
1: battle with Aaron Rodgers. Oh,
0: big time! Yeah, people started to realize. I think the tide started to turn when they realized, wow, uh, okay, not being able to get along with Aaron Rodgers might not be uh, much of a character indictment. So I, I and then you know Pat McAfee, like the one guy that Pat McAfee decides to go after on his super super positive happy happy joy joy. Football show is Gudekunst. He talks. He talks about him like he's a, like he's a escaped war criminal or something. <laughs> and now Gudikunst is just, uh, just taking it all in. I guess. Yeah. So I'm a big Gudikunst guy. You are.
1: Yeah. I could be too, but not enough to root for. I mean, I'm obviously rooting for Houston, not Green Bay. But if I, I'm just saying, if I were in, if I were in Arizona, you yeah. know, as a Cardinals fan or something like that, if I got to pick one of these oh, yeah. Cinderellas to root for, I'm rooting for the no, Texans. No, no, yeah, the
0: Packers don't. The Packers do deserve. Uh, a long stretch of insignificance. It's really a shame that Jordan Love looks like he might be good. Yes. But at the very least this year, yeah, I would love for them to to just, like, not just, not leave, but leave like everybody else has left the playoffs in an embarrassing fashion. Very few good football games so far in the playoffs.
1: Um, I would say, too, all these people that were, when Cleveland was still alive, and they're like, oh, Detroit and Cleveland, that would be the ultimate, because neither uh. have been to the Super Bowl before. Uh. The Cinderella, one of them would have to get off the schneid. If you are one of those people and you're not replacing the Browns with the Texans in your take, you're a fraud. Yeah, no. That's a fraud.
0: Like eating a rotten apple through a burlap bag or something. Like those two getting together. That's a couple of (laughs) just ugly cows making love. No, no, no. No, We're
1: not going to get that, so it's okay. Text message CJ's ability to learn almost immediately is just amazing. Mm -hmm. That's what I, when when I go on in other markets and they're like, what's the most amazing thing about CJ Stroud? And I get asked that a lot. Uh, that's what I always say. Like this dude, like when he makes mistakes, like early in the season, he's taking 12 sacks in the first two games or whatever it was, 11 yeah, sacks. that was not ideal. And then all of a sudden for the next four games behind a makeshift offensive line, he doesn't take any sacks. Zero sacks whatsoever. Yeah, yeah.
0: And the the big thing too is that, um, I think it, it's rooted in a lot of preparation and that's where I get... I never take athletes at their word when they talk about how hard they work, and it's not—it's not any individual athlete's fault. It's just that there's so many guys who are so full of crap about. This goes back to back in the old days when tape crews would uh, send home VHS tapes with guys who wanted to grind the tape. They would send them home with blank VHS tapes all season long, and uh, <laughs> just to see, yeah, yeah, yeah the old yeah, Jamarcus like Russell. Once, the guys <laughs> yeah. would never once say anything about the blank VHS tapes, right? So that—that that was. Like I always I never really take the athlete at face value. With Bobby Slowick in the way he talks about CJ Stroud, it's very obvious that he's putting in extra preparation. Because there's some things that you can do. No matter how smart you are, you can't come in and fake the lesson plan, you know? Um so like when a guy comes in that prepared to where you don't have to explain the game plan, you don't have to explain that day's practice script, all that stuff. Um like that's just it's it's gotta be really, really cool as a coach to know, all right. We're starting off. We don't have to start at square one every day. We're we're starting right mid lesson because yeah. this guy came in prepared.
1: Yeah, man, it's an efficient way to go about business for sure. Uh, text message. I feel like the Lions deserve Cinderella status regardless of their record. That's a good. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. Should I put throw they've them in the stew?
0: They have stepped it up with their uniforms too, so it doesn't feel like as much like that eating an apple. No, a bag. I yeah,
1: yeah, and they're a good football team. <laughs> like that's the other thing. Like they're they're pretty good.
0: I like Dan Campbell against my will. I didn't me too. Uh, yeah, I tried really I hard. Didn't not like to. I didn't want to like him. The the propaganda campaign has has come through. You know what did it for me was there was a clip of him talking to the team in his first year, where he had them all huddled up and they were doing apparently full contact like tackle to the ground goal line drill or something, and he said like, listen, listen, guys, I know I know how you're feeling about this. I know you think I'm a psychotic, but we can't get to where we want to go without doing this. Um, and it was really—it was a pretty cool speech he gave.
1: It was in training. Yeah, camp. yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, and like, and now you come full circle. They're playing that a lot now because here they are, right on the cusp. I of saw it for the first
1: time like three days ago. I know yeah. the exact. He's all sweating through his shirt. Yeah, it was that was a good speech. Gotta trust me, gentlemen. You just gotta trust me.
0: They did. Most of those guys aren't there anymore, but no, still, there's True, I, I saw
1: the half of them are in the hospital. Like seven so of them are in the rehab. Like
0: one of them's got PTSD. But five what? of them got knocked the out culture. for the season <laughs> in that one drill. That's like the whole. When you ever, I remember reading the Junction Boys. And I'm like, this isn't inspiring me at all. Like these guys inspire me to <laughs> quit make, football. How many of them even ended up
1: on the team? And the team sucked, right?
0: <laughs> God,
1: and can you imagine those tactics in 2024? Uh, it sounded right. like
0: a weed out tactic more big than time, anything, big wasn't time. it? Yeah, yeah. I felt like it. Everybody corrects me on the Junction Boys. Uh, this, it was a long well, time will. ago that I read it. Don't, worry, don't tell they, me about the movie. Don't worry, they will. Yeah. <laughs> all right.
1: Um, Payne and Pendergast with you. We'll get to headlines top of the hour. The eight at eight. We'll do it the top of the hour at eight o'clock. Um, the Zaire Franklin podcast. We had some good stuff yesterday on C.J. Stroud from that.
0: Yeah. This this radio show is officially now a Zaire Franklin <laughs> big podcast reaction show. Franklin
1: House. But I was a little surprised yeah. that this was the player they cited as one of the biggest dogs on the Texans. One of the biggest
0: dogs, and a guy that they had serious grudge, uh, a, a serious grudge match with during yeah. the game. Yeah, yeah,
1: biggest Texan dog that you will not believe is coming up next.
0: Yep, live from the Twin Peaks Studios, Sports Radio Six Ten presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, we're going to
1: dig into this game in the eight o'clock hour, Texans and uh, and Ravens. We'll dig into it plenty tomorrow. John McClain's going to join us. Tomorrow, normally Wednesdays, but he had to move things around. John McLean, the columnist for SportsRadio610.com? Yes. Oh. Senior columnist. Senior columnist? Senior columnist, yeah. Does that
0: make Brandon the junior columnist? I guess it might, yeah. And uh, Bajani, and, the uh, junior, yeah. junior columnist? Senior, junior.
1: Okay. Uh, Spolane. Child size, a- yeah. <laughs> uh, we got a good staff, man. Now that you rattle off those names, we got good people covering the teams here for our website. Um, so this was this, – this is a um, – Pain and Pendergast is a Zaire Franklin friendly I, yeah. household here.
0: In the trenches with Zaire Franklin, his <laughs> is that podcast, the name of the pod? Yes, in okay. the trenches with Zaire Franklin. for the Colts. he stole that from. He uh, stole that from. Indy uh, uh, Indy Kalou. Kalou. Greg Cook. His former, his former show. Yeah, Greg Cook. Yeah. Um, cookie. So, but in the trenches with Zaire Franklin. It is a weird one for, like, I don't I never think of linebackers as being in the trenches. I thought specifically linemen, but whatever. Um, we really like, I've I've only watched one, like, uh, one episode, except I keep finding nuggets about the Texans. Yeah.
1: Because we played. <laughs> you were excited about this one. Both yesterday.
0: Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed, the other linebacker who's very good for the Colts, uh, we're gushing about C.J. Stroud, and we played some of that yesterday. Yeah. But then I kept listening, not just the one that was floating around on the internet, I kept listening, and they go in on Dalton Schultz because Zaire Franklin is kind of, he's talking about how, you know, having beef with different players. He doesn't like liking the guys that he's beefing with. He wants to hate them, you know? So he, he starts talking about Dalton Schultz because if you remember in that game, I'm so glad these guys talked about this from the get-go Early on, Schultz and EJ Speed and other guys were like, they were pushing each other, they were jawing and everything. And I started to have a good feeling about Dalton Schultz. And I also liked it because I really started to hate the Colts even that much more. I was like, you leave Dalton Schultz, I'll come, I'll come down on that field. So. Dalton Schultz ends up doing some manly, manly stuff in that game. Oh yeah! This is Zaire Franklin, who had met Dalton Schultz before, but it uh had started to work up more more hatred for him because that's how he likes to operate. This is Zaire Franklin talking about his beef with Schultz during the game.
3: I told you I don't I like don't... people that I go against. Like yeah. after the game, we could be cool. Like after the game, we could. I, I, I big beefing with my man Dalton Schultz. Yeah, big beefing yeah. All, week. all week, all week. I'm I'm talking. I'm, I'm, I'm right restocker. at it. He pieced it up with me. God! <laughs> and I totally respect. I the hate of- that he pieced it
0: up.
1: Yeah, he did the same we
3: thing. We cool again. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: i s- <laughs> We pieced it up. I like.
0: I like that he's mad that they, that that they they're made friends. Piece. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I was talking. To Tony- I hate that I like this guy. I, I was talking to Tony
0: Baselli about this when he was here for the Jaguars game. About, like, like, and Tony, it's funny because Tony is super religious, you know, but also is an old school football player. And we were talking about just, I like I like, he doesn't seem to, like, they all love each other. It's really annoying. He's like, yeah, I like, no, no, we didn't, we didn't like each other back then. Like, yeah, guys hate him. And he talked about when he was a rookie and he tried to, he tried to like pay his respects to Bruce Smith after the game the first time he talked uh played him, and like Bruce Smith would have nothing to do with him. Yeah, that's was just old like cool right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Like Bruce Smith didn't want to even talk to him. Yeah, yeah there used to be like genuine hatred between offensive linemen and football hatred, but genuine football hatred. So I like that Zaire Franklin at least is is making the effort. But then so E. J. Speed, I think E. J. Speed had been more chippy. I, if I recall it was E. J. Speed that like it was they had a close up of those two going yeah. at it. Um E. J. Speed uh, gave gave his respect to Dalton Schultz uh, despite their beefing as well.
3: The best part about Schultz is he made me respect it because a lot of a lot of like mm-hmm. white yeah. I can say it. Mm-hmm. A lot of white boys, yeah, they get sensitive. They get sensitive they and be do. like, "Why are you like th-? like you know it's what true. I mean, bro? What do you mean, bro?" Dalton was at it though. Like you feel what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying? He was at some some it. Some like, he says, you fucking can't even tackle." Whoa, whoa and oh. he wasn't. And the crazy thing was. <laughs> He wasn't crying to the ref. Okay. Yeah, yeah. When it yeah, was beef, yeah, and yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Don got his push back, his push after the play, <laughs> and I pushed him back or whatever like that. Yeah. He ain't flop. Okay. He ain't look at the ref, so I'm like, All right, you feel me? I can respect. I can you respect me. your gangster.
0: I- yeah, yeah, respect. I've always respected Dalton Schultz as That's the
1: first thing that jumped uh, out at me when he was in training camp. I'm like, this Stanford white dude is gangsta AF. Oh, yeah,
2: he's from Stanford. Stanford yeah, white dude, dude gangsta he's AF, guy- man.
0: Don't get near Dalton Schultz. I was like, I'm sorry. I was, at first, I, was, I bowed up, and I was like, what the hell are they talking? Oh, yeah, guilty. Yeah. Like, <laughs> What the hell are they talking about? White guys get sensitive. What the hell? Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, I get it. That's totally true. I totally get it. (laughs) There I am validating that claim. That's now, funny. I would say about that before anybody bows up and gets all sensitive. That's eh, cultural, you know. Like, uh, like with oh, it's cultural, coming, I'm There's sure. a different. There's a different. There's a spectrum of different. It some, was two white guys white guy, on a podcast. Some white guys act like this. Some black guys act like this. It's not a. Like, they're not sitting there. They're not trying to. Yeah, start a movement. They've been canceled. I do, uh, I don't know about that white guy voice impression though. Uh, oh, there's. I found that degrading as well. Just like <laughs> <laughs> play it again. I, half, I was. I was still. Bro, so, what are you doing? I was just marveling so much
1: at the take. No, this is into the white Let's, guy impression. Yeah, yeah. Do you can play it from the beginning, Ben? The it's best cool.
3: part about Schultz is he made me respect it because a lot of a lot of like mm-hmm. white. Yeah. I can say it. Mm-hmm. A lot of white boys. Yeah, they get sensitive. They get sensitive and be like, "Why are you like? This? Like, you know what I mean? Bro, what do you mean, bro?" But
1: That is kind of what we really? sound like, though. That was what really is good.
0: The, what is the meaning of this? <laughs> <What> is, <laughs> We're a little higher pitch. What, what, what in tarnation is going on Listen here, her, homie. No, I think it's evolved from Eddie Murphy used to do a pretty good, like the, the, standard, oh, the standard white guy gonna impression. I'm going
3: to fall for the banana and the tailpipe. Yeah, that's,
0: <laughs> that, that used to be the standard white guy impression. And then Dave Chappelle, uh, when he did his skit where he pretended he was a white guy, yeah. going, oh no, that was an Eddie Murphy one. Eddie Murphy. That was an Eddie Murphy one that had a little bit of a deeper voice. That's how Eddie had his stand-up. I'm buying this he, newspaper. <laughs> it's a
1: really I would funny. like to borrow some money from this bank. That's the one they're doing. Oh.
0: Yeah.
1: It's a hilarious. Skit. It's from like 1982. It's, a, it's, it's hysterical. It's Eddie Murphy disguised as a white man walking into like a bank.
0: And, and the guy behind the desk is like, sure, how much money do you need? Right. Yeah. yeah just just like literally him, yeah. picking
1: up cash
0: and handing it. Oh, well, thank you very much. I'd like to buy things with this um yeah so uh, i I like the fact that no i like the fact that honestly you're right dalton schultz kid (laughs) from stanford dalton schultz dalton schultz has cred Yes. Dalton Schultz has cred, which is important. Where like, does he's that, a scrappy mofo.
1: Where does that put Dalton Schultz on your power ranking of Texans to bring back for 2024? It's hard. Does now that, that I, impact your ranking right there? The,
0: now that they respect the, now that I know the AF opponents, level the, of Schultz. Now, the opponents respect is gangsta. Uh that, 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 it that can't adds hurt. a little bit. Yeah. It can't that adds hurt. a little bit. Yeah. Zaire Franklin and E. J. Speed, um, I don't know. It was a grudging respect they gave him, and and he did he did kind of embarrass those guys like that that, that team. one drive he did yeah yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: had four catches on that one on the game winning drive, had four catches,
0: um, God, that's but awesome. I respect John Grenard's gangster too. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, <laughs> I respect all gangsters, right? Right, yeah, right in a football context, yeah. <laughs>
1: I just, I, I'm here for a white guy impersonation contest from all these guys. You can
0: have a white guy impersonation contest from our listeners, including, like, wh- and white people are free to enter. Right. It's just like you do right. a stereotypical white guy. Yeah, for some of you, it's going to be very
1: easy. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. We right. should start paying attention
0: at our remotes for finding the white guy who has the most naturally stereotypical white guy voice. Yes, yeah.
1: yes. Um, text message. This goes back to our previous segment where I was asking, if you don't have a dog in the fight, and you're looking for a Cinderella team amongst Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and the Texans, who would you root for and why? Sean, I'm a field auditor and travel throughout the South constantly. I can tell you for a fact, the general public doesn't care about the Texans outside of your area codes. First of all, sir, your area code is 713 also, okay? Um, It's the Packers for sure. Okay, I think you're answering a different question. I know the Packers have a bigger following nationally than the Texans do. Yeah. They have a bigger following nationally than almost any team other than the Cowboys and a couple other teams. That's not the question. The question is, if you're a neutral fan that doesn't root for any of these teams, which team would you back if you had to pick one? And my contention would be that the Texans are a pretty good one to back. They're very likable. They haven't accomplished much. Packers have had plenty of success. And plenty. And by the way, plenty of blown opportunities at success. That's where I would be like you know, the Packers, you've had your opportunities. Tampa you got your title three years ago with Tom Brady of all people a quarterback. It's D'Amico Ryan's turn.
0: yeah CJ yeah.
1: Stroud's turn. that's my point. I understand the Packers have a bigger following field auditor guy. I okay? do think
0: that um I do think that in terms of I guess I was looking at it through the filter of kind of the way the media the national media is treating it mm-hmm. and like all of these the really interesting thing is that all these former quarterbacks are just over the moon for CJ Stroud. It just the 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 terms in which they speak, and there's a lot of guys who aren't prone to exaggerating or making bold statements necessarily, or just trying to get clicks um like that's the part that's really cool uh the the QB school there the um uh JTO Sullivan yeah JTO Sullivan is just in love with CJ Stroud you o. know o. Sullivan, and he's just yeah. he has a very popular YouTube channel and a Patreon um he's a former backup quarterback but he breaks down quarterbacks in film if you're if you're a coach or an aspiring quarterback or receiver especially I would highly encourage you to to go watch that channel you can learn a lot really but good. he's like not at all like he kinda he's not trying to impress anybody with his personality. He's just breaking down film, you know, it like and and he's just blown away by some of the stuff that CJ Stroud does. It's cool. He also broke down Lamar Jackson from last week. I like I like what he was saying about Lamar Jackson and that he's pointing out that like Lamar Jackson still has a lot of these technical flaws. Techn, like technically they're technical flaws in his delivery, but he's pointing out that like but like if I were his coach do I care? Because he's showing these touch throws. Yeah, he's you completing know. passes. He has a few erratic ones, but I, I, the way I took it, it was almost like if you're uh, if you're coaching Bagwell, you know, like yeah. okay, well, what am I going to do? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to fix your swing as you win a batting title or what have you. You know, like it's it, like, you got to find that balance between what works for a guy naturally sure. and how much do you try to tweak it. Well, and if
1: he couldn't run, then he'd have to fix it to stay in the league. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, like Lamar right. Jackson makes up for it in other ways. Well, that was
0: always the thing, though, was when Greg Roman was his offensive coordinator. It was very easy for people, and understandably so, to point to Lamar Jackson's mechanics and say, "Well, this is this is one of the big reasons that he can't really advance." Now that he's got a real offensive, I shouldn't say a real. I think like I think uh, Greg Roman does some really good things for for develop young quarterbacks. Um, but I think Todd Monken is just much more of a modern. Uh, diversified offense and he gives Lamar Jackson a lot of options now all of a sudden lo and behold even with the, a lot of those same mechanical flaws he's dealing you know and I, so I think it was just it was just too easy of a, a a scapegoat for some of the other issues
1: Text message is starting to look like getting dumped by Cleveland may have been the best thing for Baker Mayfield I think more people have a positive opinion of Baker than yeah. before let's point out too people forget this people think it feels like people are looking at Baker like he got dumped by Cleveland and he wound up in Tampa Bay in between. He got dumped by Carolina in the middle of a season last year. And then remember how big a deal it was. that Baker came in for the Rams on a Monday and won a Thursday night game for them. Like he'd only been in the playbook for two days and he came in and won a game. Yep. Like he was some, you know, just some slappy they pulled off the streets. Which at the time he was, he was a slappy they pulled off the streets, and now he's one of the last eight quarterbacks standing. You I know? mean, if you look at his just just his stats compared to anything he had done previously,
0: he's got the best completion percentage of his career by a by a little bit. He was sixty four point three percent. His rookie year was his second best at sixty three point eight percent. You know, and it, like that that scheme was working for him. It was that and was he, the thing before he got hurt. That scheme was really working for him. The debate. Going into that year in which he injured his shoulder was whether or not it was time to pay Baker Mayfield, you know, going into his third year. But if you look at, like, okay, touchdown to interception, uh, his his interception rate is amongst the lowest that he's had in his career. Most touchdowns he's thrown in his career. Oh, yeah. Coupled with the fewest interceptions—that's the important thing. Twenty-eight touchdowns to ten interceptions. That's really good. Yeah, you know, and he just there's a lot that he's done legitimately well. Throwing for four thousand forty-four yards this year. So it wasn't like a wasn't an All-Pro performance. Wasn't Pro Bowl. I don't know if he made the Pro Bowl or not. It seems like everybody makes it these days. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but Everything he, he um like he, he, I could totally I could totally talk myself into being my him being my bridge quarterback. But that's the only question. Is all right at some point, you know. How do we? How do we make that transition from Baker Mayfield? Yeah, Tampa yeah,
1: Bay's going to have some decisions to make with that in the offseason, You know, with with Baker, like, do they? Do they? Is Baker the guy moving forward long term? I for think them? Baker
0: probably like you, you work your butt off to get a three year deal, like a lucrative three year deal that's easy to get out of if you need to. Well, like a Geno Smith type of deal. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's not gonna, template. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah, and Geno, I mean Geno Smith is another guy that people had kind of written off. And, yeah, and I, I do think that the game has changed enough now that. I think, I think because there's just more ways to do it with your quarterback, I think coaches are better able to work with a guy's strengths. And instead of feeling like, I mean, for so long, for so long they erred on the side of trying to find these prototype guys that if they needed to be 6'5", at 230, and have a certain arm strength and all of that, and, and a certain Wunderlich score, and you got all these duds. And I think they're just... Coaches are more willing and open now to see, like, okay, there's multiple different ways to do it. Yep. And, uh, like, would I rather have Blake Bortles or Baker Mayfield? The old school scout would tell you Blake Bortles in a heartbeat, right? And then, oh, yeah. Oh, no, God, no. Yep. Give me, give
3: me uh, Baker. Yep. All right, I got uh.
0: confused between the Blake and the Baker. <laughs>